Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. Well, I want to talk about something today that I really think can be transformational in your life. It's something that I think that really all of us, to a certain extent, need to work on in our lives in one area or another, or all too often at least. And I'm going to talk about what that thing is in, in, just, in just a minute. But first, one of the things that my parents taught me in life is the importance of balance. Balance is so important in so many different areas. Balance is of great importance and in our lives. All too often in life, we miss the mark because we are out of balance. We're out of balance. And this applies to many different areas. It's almost every area of our life, there's an, a need for, for balance. I mean, I, I think about in a, a congregational context, for example, just as an example, some places have so much worship, but not enough word. Not enough from the Word. So much prayer, maybe, but very little liturgy. You understand, there, there needs to be balance in things, in lives. In our personal lives, there's oftentimes a lack of balance. Some are workaholics, while others are lazy, <laughs> right? There needs to be some kind of a balance. Some parents are too strict, while others are way, way too passive. Right? Do you see it's such an important principle in life is balance. And there's an area that, that I see in life, and I, and I think that many do, uh, where, where I think that we as a society, and in particular, I'd say here in America, but we as a society get a little bit out of balance with. Uh, because... In America these days, there's often a sentiment to stand up for yourself and don't be a doormat. <laughs> and listen, to me, this is valid. It's, it's a valid sentiment. I mean, you got to be able to stand up on your own two feet. You got to stand up. You, you don't want to be a doormat. I, I get that. I get that. Each of us has God-given worth that is of value. And in general, as we look at other people too, we should protect those who cannot protect themselves. And we should stand up and be counted when it comes up to standing up to injustice. Okay, you know, I, could, I couldn't agree more. Uh, the, these are things that it is important to, to be strong about. And there are areas in our lives where we have to take a stand and be strong various moral issues, various principles, things in our lives, 
so that we don't enable other people. I completely agree with that. I'm I'm 100% on board with that. I think that that is very valid and very true. But there's certainly a great emphasis on it oftentimes. And at the same time, at the same time, often in society today, there is a, a lack of balance, I think, when it comes to interpersonal relationships. And in particularly, what I would posit is that it's especially endemic when it comes to personal relationships with the ones who are closest to us. And, and there's a little bit of a, an off balance in some of these relationships in an area. What am I, what am I talking about? I'll tell you more specifically, and we'll, we'll drill down a little bit about the area that I think that if we allow the Lord to, to speak to us and work in our lives, uh, it can really be a not insignificant change. Oftentimes, when there's conflict between two people in any kind of a relationship, oftentimes when there's conflict between two people, I see both of them immediately put their shields up and get ready to fight. I mean, this, this is something that I see, but, but, but not just like a little bit. I'm talking about a, a, almost like a, a, a reaction that, that is immediate and that's almost irrespective of the situation or what the, 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 any potential conflict is about. There's an immediate reaction. Put up that shield. Okay, I'm on guard and take out that weapon. Take out that sword. Let's go. Let's go. All right. Want to dance? <laughs> That's what I see. Let's get ready to rumble. <laughs> That's what I see. People ready. Put them up. Okay, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. I see this in husband-wife relationships. For sure. I see it in husband-wife relationships. I do plenty of counseling in my office. I see that oftentimes in husband-wife relations. I see this in parent-child relationships. I see this in manager-employee relationships. I see this in good friend relationships. So many different interpersonal relationships. And oftentimes, kind of the more intimate and closer to us, the other person is, oftentimes that's more when you see a significant reaction like this. Anytime there's any, anytime there's any interpersonal conflict at all, there, there, there's an immediate shield up, force field, turn on the force field immediately. Y'all, I want you to just note that I just named, I just named all of the important relationships that we have here on earth. I just named basically them all that, that we have here on earth. And you know what? If that wasn't enough, it happens also oftentimes when, when there are any issues that we have with God, oftentimes we put up our shields and prepare to hunker down even with God, even with God. 
So in, in like, it seems like in each and every area of our lives, whenever there's a little something going on, immediately we put our shields up and get ready to fight. Get ready to fight. Whether we say it or not, whether we raise our voices or not, it's, it's the, our mentality. Rabbi E used to say, you know, you really get to, to know somebody when their skin is scratched just a little bit so to speak, when there's just a little, just a little ouchy. And it's like, oh, okay. Then you're going to see a little bit (laughs) what what somebody's react, what they're really like, what they're made of. Let me give you the role that I feel describes how we position ourselves so often in in those situations. So here is the role, (laughs) get ready. Here is the role that I see that we all, because I think almost everybody I've ever known, almost everybody at one time or another, maybe a few exceptions, but almost everybody, when they're in these situations at one time or another, it demonstrates or exhibits this role. Here it is, defense attorney. Defense attorney. Genesis chapter 30, please. Genesis, bear a sheet. Genesis chapter 30. Wow, I want you to really be introspective, introspective in this message today and really think about yourself and think about how this may relate to you personally. I got to tell you, I, I certainly did as well. I think it relates and applies to all of us at different times in different situations and is, and is a reaction that we have to constantly be uh, uh, on guard for. <laughs> Okay, in Genesis chapter 30, we read just a little bit about Rachel and Leah. Rachel, Leah. Rachel and Leah were sisters. They were sisters. <laughs> and they were both wives of Jacob. You know, I guess on that level, conflict was inevitable, right? <laughs> I mean, that's, that, that, that can't be pretty uh, on, in any way, shape, or form on, on a lot of different levels, right? Okay, so they were sisters, but they were both wives of Jacob. But, but, but what we read about back in uh, chapter 29 is Leah was having child after child after child after child, and Rachel was barren. Rachel was barren. And this was so especially important in the society of the day. Uh, Why? Because children provided both the labor for families in addition to continuing the lineage, okay? And so literally, uh, in in an agrarian society and an agricultural society, you had a lot of kids because they could be a lot of the workers, on the farm, if I could put it that way. And also they could help take care of you when you're old. So people had a lot of kids and having kids was, was, was seen as a social status and, uh, and, and fulfilling uh, a marital responsibilities, etc. And so Rachel, who was barren, was very, very sad. It was very, now we know today, of course, that this is not where our value comes from and it's a different world today, but this was the time they lived in. And so Rachel was very, very sad. And you can understand if you understand the context. She was, she was sad. She was kind of devastated. She was, 
You can tell that she was hurting. She was hurting, especially to see her sister have kid after kid after kid after kid. And, and she had no children. And, and, and honestly, and we read about this, she was jealous of Leah. She was jealous of her sister, and she was clearly despondent. We today, as we look at, at Genesis chapter 30 and we read about it, we would acknowledge that she was having some mental health struggles. I mean, there, there's just no question about it. She was hurting. She was depressed. She was down. You can tell. And so finally, finally, after I think Leah's uh, fourth child, she expresses her feelings to her husband, Jacob. And so she, she, she expresses how she's feeling and her level of frustration to Jacob. Now let's hear how this goes. And as we hear how this goes, I want you to particularly listen and to see how compassionate and empathetic Jacob is, her husband. So I want you to listen for how he reacts in particular. His reaction is what I want you to focus on. Genesis chapter 30, verse 1. When Rachel saw that she bore no children for Jacob, Rachel was jealous of her sister. She said to Jacob, and you can hear her heart in this, Give me sons. If there are none, I'll die. But Jacob became furious with Rachel and said, am I, instead of God, the one who withheld from you the fruit of the womb? Wow. Not in the husband handbook. <laughs> Not exactly the reaction that you would like to see, right? I have in my notes, ice. That was cold, y'all. That was a cold response. This, this woman was hurting. She was sincere, and understandably, she was hurting. And what was her husband's reaction? Absolutely ice cold. What happened? Immediately, immediately, Jacob becomes a defense attorney. Immediately becomes a defense attorney. Hey, it's, it has nothing to do with me. Am I the one? No, it's God. It's not, it's not me. It's a defense attorney immediately. The, the woman needed love. She needed compassion. She needed empathy. She needed reassurance. And what did, what did he do? Immediately, defense attorney mode. That's what happened. That's not what Rachel needed to hear. But he felt attacked and immediately went into fight mode. It says he was furious with her. Furious, absolutely ridiculous, his reaction, ridiculous. Beloved, listen to me. Stop being a defense attorney with your spouse. Well, not one amen. Now, understand, it's like, you know, because if you say amen, well, you know, the, the spouse will look at you like, what are you trying to say, man? What are you trying to say? <laughs> I love it. No, it's, it's like silence, you know, that's what I understand. It's an intense kind of a thing, right? Stopping a defense attorney with your spouse. Oftentimes in marital counseling, I do marital counseling, and oftentimes, let me tell you what I see. I'll have two people in there. They're sitting there across the table, and uh, and, and I give each of them an opportunity to speak. 
basically kind of uninterrupted, right? And, uh, and this is what happens, is that while one person is talking, oftentimes their spouse is not really listening to what the other person is saying. Oftentimes, the one person's talking, they're sharing their heart and they're spilling their guts, man, and they're just saying about how they're feeling and, and they're making their points, right? And I could tell that the other person is not truly listening to what this person is saying. What are they doing? They are just measuring their own rebuttal. They're measuring their own rebuttal. What is that? That's an attorney's job, right? That's what attorneys do. That's what a defense attorney does. Listen to what the prosecution says, and then, okay, you're writing down your rebuttal. Well, this is what I see the other person doing. They're, they're just measuring their rebuttal. Okay, hold on. Now, that's not exactly true. I didn't say exactly that. Well, that's a bit of an exaggeration. Well, that's not completely true. Well, well, they did this. I mean, I may have done that, but they did this and stuff. That, that's a defense attorney. That's a defense attorney. I'm going to let you in on a little secret, y'all. Here's the secret. That's not going to help your marriage. That's, that's right. It's not going to help your marriage. People in general, I think in... I think in America even more so. People in America are so afraid of losing an argument. And they're so afraid of losing an argument that they try never to concede any point. They try never to concede even one point in any debate or conflict or discussion. They try, it's not that they don't try to concede the whole thing. No, they, they try not to concede anything. People don't like to lose in these kinds of discussions or what they perceive as losing. And then what happens is you get frequent conflict because nobody wants to lose. Neither one wants to lose. Again, this is not just marriages I'm talking about. This could be a friend relationship, a, a parent-child relationship, a boss-employee relationship. And on, on a practical level, what oftentimes happens is that, okay, follow me on this. Let's say that you have three valid points. You have three valid points and I passionately think that these points are valid. These points are valid. I've got three valid points, and these points are valid. Now, when someone says, someone else says something, I don't want to concede any of the points. I don't want to concede point one, point two, or point three. Why? Because if I do, I think I'll look weak, and it will diminish what I'm trying to say. So, so it's not even that, you know, maybe there's three points and one of them you think, well, that has some validity. You don't want to admit that. Why? Because you don't want to be in that position in the, in the discussion where you're conceding that there have some validity in what they're saying. No, it's better just to deny everything, be a defense attorney, because then you might have the upper hand in the argument. This is, this is not godly. This is not the way to do it, y'all. This is a worldly way to do it, but it's not a godly way to do it. 
That's worldly arguing, worldly arguing. Let me tell you where it leads. It always leads bad. It leads to, bre- to a destruction of relationships. And, and, and God forbid, a, you know, somebody makes a, a point that's contrary to one of my three points, and goodness knows I can't let that stand. Sometimes somebody will say something, and it doesn't matter if it has validity or not. That's not the point. The point is I can't be weak as I'll be taken advantage of and I'll lose the argument. Beloved, this is so common. I mean, I see it. I see it and and you know it. You know what I'm saying is true oftentimes with people. That's literally missing the points. It's literally missing the point. Proverbs chapter 15 Proverbs 15. You see, there is a worldly way of handling ourselves in our relationships, and then there is a godly way in handling ourselves in relationships. And honestly, like when I went to business school and when I went to grad school in business and such at prestigious universities, they didn't tell me about what I'm about to read you in Proverbs. I had, all, I had whole courses that I took on negotiations. And so listen, you, you learn all about the strategies of negotiation. Okay, that's all well, well and good, but yet you don't learn the spiritual principles that are involved here, especially if you want to maintain and, and restore relationship with people. Okay, Proverbs chapter 15, verse one. Let's hear what Grandpa Solomon said. (laughs) He said this, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. See, all the Bible's response to this is different than our fleshly response. It really is. If we're being honest about it, it's a different response. When there's a disagreement, if I've got a couple there or, or people who are in disagreement for one reason or another, if there's a, this, this kind of conflict or disagreement, I sometimes will ask people, okay, listen, what percent of each person has responsibility in the conflict? So, so I'll say to, to person one, Give me the percent. So this conflict's going on about this situation and this whole deal. What percentage of it is their fault versus your fault? I ask them, I ask people this sometimes very intentionally for a reason. And inevitably, inevitably, whoever I'm asking, okay, what percentage of it is, is, is your fault versus their fault? Inevitably, whatever person I'm speaking to will tell me something to the effect of, well, Rabbi, I mean, listen, if you're really asking me for what this is, is they're responsible for 75% of it. 75%. It's almost always in a 70 to 90 range. The other person is always, and I ask that person, and I say, what, what, what's your percentage? They're like, eh, 70% their fault. Oh, okay, 70, 75% their fault. 
Anytime I hear that, my response is always to the person who says it, good. (laughs) Then that means that there is 25% for you to work on. (laughs) Some people don't like coming back to counseling with me. (laughs) And that's the truth, is that whatever percent that you're wrong, you've got to work on that. Even if in this debate, they really are mostly wrong. But there might be something wrong within you. Maybe it's your attitude about it. Maybe you have a a know-it-all attitude. You understand? Whatever it is, maybe they make one good point, but you don't concede it because you don't want to look weak. See, we can't do that. This is is something for us to truly examine ourselves. Truly examine our hearts. This is a hard one. This is hard stuff. It's hard for most most everybody, really. 1 Samuel 15. Please. And guess what? It's not just other people. Oftentimes, we're a defense attorney even with God. Even with God. Man, that's, that's audacious to be a defense attorney when it comes to God. We see in 1 Samuel chapter 15, the part of the story of God sending King Saul on a mission and King Saul disobeyed God. You know the story and did not do exactly what God told him to do. So God sent King Saul on a mission with the Israeli army. He did not do everything that God told him to do. And then he was confronted about it by the prophet Samuel, who spoke on God's behalf. 1 Samuel 15, verse 19, Samuel's talking to King Saul. And Samuel says, why then did you not obey the voice of Adonai, but rushed greedily onto the spoil, doing what was evil in Adonai's eyes? Verse 20, (laughs) what does this sound like? But I did obey the voice of Adonai, Saul said back to Samuel. I went on the mission on which Adonai sent me and brought back Agag, the king of Amalek, and utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took some of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the best of what was under the ban of destruction, to sacrifice to Adonai your God in Gilgal. (laughs) <laughs> now, now, Samuel certainly replied that King Saul should have simply obeyed God's voice. That's what he says thereafter, and that's a whole other sermon. Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. You've got to simply obey. You, can't, you didn't obey what God told you to do. But what I want to focus here on is how immediately King Saul went into defense attorney mode and made excuses. Hmm? Oh, no, 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 hold on. No, no, wait, 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 wait. You're saying I didn't do, but I, I did do what was asked. I mean, I did this, I did that, I did this, and well, this was the reason that this happened. What is that? That's in a defense attorney. Do you see how that's a defense attorney? And as much as we look at King Saul and, and shake our finger... Let's, let's, let's look at ourselves too, because we're oftentimes a defense attorney, because I'm going to tell you, this is not an unusual response when people sin against God. It is not an unusual response 
this defense attorney mode. Adam said in Genesis chapter three, the woman whom you gave to me, she gave of me of the tree and I ate. Well, that's a defense attorney right there. Cain, after he had killed Abel, was confronted by God in Genesis chapter four. He said to God, I don't know where he is. Am I my brother's keeper? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, defense attorney. Defense attorney. I didn't have responsibility. I am not liable. God does not like excuses. He wants for us to own it when we make a mistake. This is, this is truly the heart of God. It can be a small mistake or a really, really, really gadol, big mistake. Thinking about King David, friends, you know, King David was far from perfect. Far from perfect. How far from perfect was King... See, this is so interesting when you think about this. King David was this far from perfect. He was an adulterer and a murderer. That's... Two of the big 10. <laughs> and I'd probably venture to say, I mean, that, that's not good. <laughs> okay. Really bad. And yet David was called in the scripture, a man after God's heart. What? What? How's that even possible? How's it even possible that David's a man after God's heart with all that's terrible things that he did. 2 Samuel 12, you can turn there. The prophet Nathan confronted David with his sin. And when Nathan confronted David, King David at the time, about his sin, it was an extensive and a severe rebuke from God. Let me tell you what, Nathan gave it to David. Woo! I'm not even kidding you, man. It's like, boy, Nathan had to know that the, I'll tell you, Nathan had to know that God was talking through him. How do I, how do I know that? Because when you speak as strongly as Nathan does to the king of the most powerful empire in the world at the time, and to a guy who could just snap his fingers and have your head cut off, you best believe Nathan had confidence that God was speaking through him because he came hardcore on David, hardcore. Nathan actually went on quite a bit about it and the rebuke was very, very strong. And we know that originally as Nathan was was talking about these terrible things that somebody had done, Nathan didn't immediately reveal to David that he was talking about David. He was just saying, oh, well, somebody has done this kind of thing. It's, it's a whole story. You'll, you can read it later. And, uh, and David was kind of getting indignant when he was hearing about bad things that this person had done. And King David was upset about it. And then we'll pick up the story. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 5. Then David's anger blazed hot against the man. 
And he said to Nathan, as Adonai lives, the man that did this deserves to die. So he must make restitution for the lamb fourfold because he did such a thing and showed no pity. Then David, rather than Nathan said to David, you are the man. You are the man. Here's the key. Here's the key. Listen carefully to the very next thing that King David says. Listen carefully to David's immediate reply. When confronted about his sin, even though he was steamed upset and then suddenly though the spotlight was put on him and Nathan said, you are the man who has done this. Notice the response. It's, it's the most important part here. And as you hear his response, I want to ask you the question, as you listen to his reply, I ask you if this sounds like a defense attorney to you. It's in verse 13. Here's David's response. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against Adonai. That's all that the scriptures record that David said to Nathan. Wow. Listen, King David did have to suffer the consequences of his sin. But in the end, Psalm chapter 51, which is a whole psalm of repentance from David, a whole psalm of his repenting for what he did. It's a whole, it's, it's the heart of repentance from King David and truly some of the most beautiful words that have ever been written is Psalm 51. A heart of complete Repentance, with great humility, David owned it. No excuses. David says in Psalm 51, he says he knows his transgressions and that against God alone has he sinned and done what is evil what he, David says. No rebuttals. No defense. Friends, pay attention to this. This is the heart of someone who finds favor with God. Not a defense attorney. A defense attorney does not gain you favor with God. This is how we grow, truly grow. How can you grow if you're always in denial and always a defense attorney? How can you grow if you never are even open 
Similarly with your, your spouse and your friends. When they say something to you and immediately you put up a defense. Let me tell you, if you do that, if you have friends, they're going to stop telling you the truth. If you react hard against somebody who will tell you something in, in true love, somebody really close, I'm not talking about somebody with a critical spirit who's always criticizing and holier than thou. I'm talking about maybe your spouse who you're supposed to love or a best friend that's supposed to care about you, and maybe they mention one little thing. And if immediately you put up that shield, take out the sword, what are you talking about? Well, you're the one who... Let me tell you what, they, next time they're going to keep their mouth closed. And then are you going to grow? No, you're not going to grow. You're going to keep doing this. You see how this works? It's a very deep and important point. Romans chapter 12, please, as we prepare to close. Romans 12. Very interesting, isn't it? So interesting. This is... This is hard stuff. But y'all, I'm going to tell you, this is important. This is uh, deep, seminal. This is life-changing. It'll change people's whole perception of you. I'd, I'd love for you to get into a disagreement with your spouse and your spouse say something to you and you go, oh, well, okay, I, 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 could, I could see it that way, yeah. Thank you for sharing with me that. I, I didn't see it that way. I'm sorry I reacted. You'll see this, your spouse's chin drop to the floor. Where's my husband? Where's my wife? What happened? Who's this person? <laughs> Listen to the words of the Lord about what our attitude should be. And I want for you to feel the overarching tone of these instructions to us when it comes to conflict. So again, yes, I want you to focus on the words themselves as we're talking here, but I also want you to focus on the overarching tone of how our attitude should be in the midst of conflict, okay? So let's look at this. Romans 12 verse 14, it says this, Bless those who persecute you. <laughs> Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Repay no one evil for evil. Give thought to what is good in the eyes of all people. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live in peace with all people. Never, never, never take your own revenge, loved ones, but give room for God's wrath. For as it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says Adonai. <laughs> See, my friends, we do not need to be a defense attorney. 
we have to fall on the mercy of the court. <laughs> Additionally, being a defense attorney with our spouse or with our parents or with our friends will lead to conflict and a lack of peace. When you are in discussions with others, you have to have some intentionality and some massive self-control and try to concede what you can concede and to sincerely, sincerely open yourself to really hearing the other person. So in many ways, if, if there's a conflict that comes and you see things from a different perspective and there's debate or there's, and even if the, no matter what tone it is that they have as they're speaking to you, pause, stop, bite your tongue, try in your mind not to be thinking of the rebuttal as a defense attorney, but stop for a minute and really listen from their perspective. Really try to hear what they're saying and then concede anything that you can concede even if it's just the 25%. And to prayerfully consider if they may see something that you do not. Well, I just want to tell you in love, friend, that oftentimes you're, you, you, you just kind of jump at people when they say anything that's, that's not, that you don't think is right. What are you talking about? Awesome. It's a perfect example right there. You know? <laughs> just did it. No, no, no. No, instead, well, hold on. What do you mean? I, I didn't, th I, I don't see myself as reacting so much. Yeah. Well, this is just some input for, oh man, Lord, help me. I, I, I don't, I don't see it. I haven't seen it. Lord, God, please. I don't want to be somebody who reacts and jumps on people. Help me, Lord. Soften me, Lord. Teach me. God, open my eyes. Let me, let me not react like this, Lord. If it's something I don't see, help me with it. Hmm? A good lawyer is always ready to rumble. But a mature believer is always ready to lay down their weapon. Which will you choose? The title of my message is Defense Attorney. <laughs> Let's bow our heads. <laughs> I want to ask if there's anybody here today who's never said a prayer to receive Yeshua as your Messiah. If you've never given your life to God, how about today? If that's you and you've never turned your life over to Hamelech, the king, and received Yeshua as your Messiah, but you want to, lift your hand and we'll pray together. If that's you and you've never said yes to Yeshua, but you want to, just raise your hand and we'll pray. Maybe you're watching online and you've never said that prayer. Repeat this simple prayer after me and God will touch you. Lord, say, say, dear God, I humble myself before you. I accept Yeshua into my heart. I believe he's risen again, sitting at your right hand. Please forgive me of my sins. God, I'm sorry. I'll live the rest of my days for you. Thank you, God. If you said that prayer for the first time, please, if you're in the room, see me after the service. If you're watching online, please send us an 
email or call the office. We want to celebrate with you. But for everybody else who's here, I want to I want to pray for each and every one of you. You know what? Heads are bowed and, and eyes are closed, okay? And, and this is for you watching online as well. But if as the message has gone on and, is, and you've been contemplating this, you're somebody who would say and would ask for prayer and for help from God to be less of a defense attorney, okay? So if that's you and you're like, wow, boy, I am sometimes that way. That one, that one kind of got my shoe shine a little bit. Lord, help me be a little bit less of a defense attorney. If that's you, raise your hand. God, I'm going to ask the Lord to touch each and every one of you raising your hand. You gotta, for those of you who feel that way, don't, don't raise your hand unless you feel that way. Because I only am going to pray for you. You've got your hands raised. Yeah. Okay, that's most people here. Lord, in the name of Yeshua, I pray for each person who raised their hand and you watching at home, if you raised your hand too. Lord, I pray, God, that you help us, Lord, not, mm, not become that defense attorney. Lord, not react to those that are close to us, Lord. Lord, God, let, let us have self-control. Lord, let us listen, God. Lord, let us not be a defense attorney with you. When you bring something to us, Lord God, let us not make a whole bunch of excuses, Lord. Help us be more like King David, Lord, and just confess and turn our hearts toward you, Lord. Lord, clearly, that's, that's somebody after your heart. No matter what we've done, big or small, that's displeasing to you, Lord. Lord, help us not make excuses, give reasons, defend ourselves in that way. No, Lord, help us. Help us with our, our, our relationships, with our good friends, Lord. Let us not be quick to take offense. Lord, I thank you for, Lord, the series of classes that Susan taught a little bit earlier on Tuesday nights this year. Lord, let us not take offense quickly, Lord. And with our spouses, let us not be quick to take offense. But Lord, let us listen, truly listen. And let us seek to work on the 25%, or it might even be higher, that we need to work on, Lord. Let us concede the points that we need to concede that are true. Lord, why? Because this is how we grow. This is how we mature. Help us, Lord, in this. Lord, we love, no matter what the other person does, even if they're right or wrong, what they're doing. So, Lord, I, I ask these things, and I, I thank you for your help, I pray for each person who raised their hands in these areas, Lord, that you will teach us, remind us of this next time we're in this situation. Lord, we bless you and we love you for all these things. B'Shem Yeshua, in the name of our Messiah, Yeshua, we pray, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah, 
or how you can become part of our Bethel family, please visit our website at www.bethalel.org. That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L dot O-R-G. Or call 770-641-3000. If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service, Friday nights at 8 o'clock, or Shabbat services, Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and Shalom. Shalom.